We're back for another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Coors Light right here on Giants.com. Schmelk Meadow U. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Well, we watched a lot of practice. We've talked a lot about guys running around in their pajamas. We've talked about guys running around in pads and helmets on the practice field. Well, tonight, everybody, we get to see our first facsimile of football since 2018. Good afternoon. The first preseason game is here. He's Lance Beto. I'm John Schmelk. And Lance, we've been waiting a long time to see how all the stuff we've been seeing on the practice field might translate. And while obviously the first preseason game in the large scheme of things doesn't mean a whole lot, it's still exciting to finally see how that work might pay off against a live opponent. Yeah, absolutely, especially since this is a relatively young team, John. So I think a great opportunities for yeah. a number of guys on the depth chart from top to bottom. So it's good to see players be thrown in a different atmosphere. It's good to see players go up against a different opponent for once instead of going up against their own teammates. So I think you know there's a lot to look forward to, even though it is the first preseason game. And I get it, the wins and the losses don't necessarily add up to much of anything. But this is about the players tonight. This is about evaluating in conjunction with what they've seen during the course of practice. And I think that based on what we've seen over the course of Giants history, you know, there's a lot of players that have earned roster spots, John, as a result of what they've done in the preseason games, whether it be the first game, the second game, the third game, and so forth. So to overlook this, uh, I think, would be doing an injustice, I think, to the whole process. But uh, it is going to be refreshing to finally get to see these guys actually in a game atmosphere. And while fans are excited to see the starting players that they haven't seen on the field for a long time that's not what tonight is about tonight's about the other guys it's about the second stringers the third stringers the rookies the undrafted guys even the high draft pick guys to see exactly where they are these are the games where guys earn spots on the roster and we've seen stars born in, in situations like this go back to Victor Cruz yeah um another team go back you know no one thought Dak Prescott was going to be anything until we had to come in that preseason game I think against the Rams if I remember right runs up and down the field and all of a sudden Cowboys have a starting quarterback. I mean, you've seen it time and time again in these preseason games. You can find things out about guys that you don't expect. So that's what's fun about it. You don't know what's going to happen. The Giants obviously have a lot of work to do this year to become a better football team. And it begins tonight. Tavares King's another guy that comes to mind who I think has made a name for himself in the preseason, John, as we go through the list of some notable players. And, you know, when you look across the roster, you say, okay, well, what is the positions of note? Now, there is a boatload of positions that you could focus on in a game like this. I think the wide receiver spot is maybe somewhere to start only because of the injuries and the fact that we know probably the stars are not going to see much time, if at all. So, the young guys, whether it be the Reggie Whites, the Alex Wesleys, you know, those are the guys I think that could very well make a name for themselves because if anything, they're pushing John, the Cody Latimers, the Benny Fowlers, and the Russell Shepherds. Those are the guys that they're looking to jump over. And it's a combination of what they do in the preseason games as well as practice. Alonzo Russell is another guy that I would throw into that mix. Those three guys... Darius Slayton, obviously, probably not going to play with the hamstring. Exactly. And we know Sterling Shepard already came out and said, I don't think I'm going from the yellow jersey to physical contact so quickly. So he's not going to be there. Which means when we get to the third quarter and the fourth quarter, maybe even earlier, depending on how the playing time plays out, those three names that we just threw out, they're going to be running routes and they're going to be in position to make plays. And this could go a long way in determining whether or not you're the fifth to sixth wide receiver or perhaps a practice squad guy. Yeah, and by the way, I don't think there's any guarantees for the three veterans that you didn't mention either. Are there guarantees for Cody Latimer? Are there guarantees for Benny Fowler? Are there guarantees for Russell Shepard? I mean, these guys in theory, while I wouldn't consider them fringe roster guys, right? I wouldn't consider them that. I will say this. There's no guarantee all three of those guys are on the final 53-man roster. And after being in the league for a few years, if you start getting cut by teams in September, there's no guarantee another team's picking you up. So these guys, in theory, are playing for their NFL lives and NFL careers. No, I think it's a valid point. The only thing that I think gives them an edge here, John, is you have the same coaching staff that was here last year. So what helps those guys who you just mentioned, when Odell Beckham was banged up and limited in the latter part of last season— those players were called upon. You could argue those players, nobody's saying they lit up the box score, but they made plays. Whether it be touchdowns, such as Benny Fowler against the Redskins, Russell Shepard's made some plays, and Cody Latimer when he came off of IR. So that gives them a leg up. And this is my personal opinion, John, compared to an Alonzo Russell, 
Uh, no, their Reggie roster White spots are certainly safer than the young guys. But remember, Correct. your point being, though, the young guys are trying to prove themselves to get a roster spot. Well, who's that roster spot going to come at the expense of? Exactly. One of those veterans. Of course, they got to move past them. Right. Yeah, because if you do the numbers game right now, and we mentioned those three, you tack on Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate and Darius Slayton, John, that's six right there. I mean, we don't even have to factor in any of the wide receivers. So if I'm Alonzo Russell and the rest of the crew, of course, Bingo. look at the numbers game. I'm saying, how do I get past Benny Fowler? How do I get past Cody Latimer and so forth? So I'm absolutely with you. Not a lock, but certainly a leg up over the rest of that group. No question about it. Otherwear? Uh, elsewhere, I should say. Otherwear. Underwear. Wow, that I, was interesting. Well, I said otherwear. <laughs> oh, okay, I thought it was underwear. Well, I was, I was, I was going to say otherwise, and then I tried to turn it into elsewhere, and it turned into otherwear. New transitional yes. word. Who otherwear. Knows? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long couple of days, folks. It always yes. is getting ready for these preseason games. Um, offensive line-wise, I think it'll be interesting to see how they utilize the offensive tackles once you get past the first two starters and Mike Remmers and Nate Solder. Uh, we'll see what they do, but uh, you know, considering you're going against the defense in Greg Williams that does like to be a little aggressive in the preseason, uh, I, would li- I would think that you'll want to get Daniel Jones behind your starting offensive line for a few snaps. I don't know what the plan is, but I think you'd want to try to some- do something like that to give him the best chance to succeed. And maybe even give him a chance to throw the ball to Golden Tate a little bit if he's out there. Who knows? We'll see. But beyond that, Lance, they have so many injuries at offensive tackle right now that they're going to have to figure things out. Chad Wheeler's got a back. Mahalik had a stinger in practice the other day. Again, we don't know these guys are out, but it's safe to assume if you can't practice, you're probably not going to play in the preseason game, right? Right. Chad Wheeler, Mahalik, they're both out. Georgia Safoje, their seventh-round pick out of Kentucky. He's a guy that has been dealing with a concussion for now more than a week. He hasn't been able to go outside for practice, so, you know, he's not going to play. So you're really down to Paul Ad- Paul Adams and Malcolm Bunch, who's really more of a guard, and then they move Chad Slade from guard out to tackle, and these are guys that are going to have to play a lot of minutes in this game, and depending on how serious the injuries are to Mahalik and Wheeler— Maybe Slade or Adams or whoever else they might put out there a tackle. Maybe they'll shift the guard out there or something like that. Uh, you know, Nick Gates is someone that played tackle in college. Maybe they try him out there. We've even seen that in practice, but who knows? You know, one of these guys has a chance with a lot of playing time to show the coaching staff, you know what, you should consider us in this mix for that third or fourth tackle on this roster. And if not on the 53, then at least on the practice squad. Well, 100%. I mean, all the names you threw out. The only other guy that I would throw out there, not that they're going to put him at tackle, is Evan Brown. You're probably going to see him in a variety of positions, but we know that because of his versatility. And if they don't want to overwork Jalapio and Pulley, you know, he's going to be the next guy in line. And Evan Brown was yep. on the 53 last year, so we're not necessarily telling you anything new. But as far as the tackles are concerned, yeah, because if I'm one of those players you just mentioned, it's the same logic that we just talked about with the wide receivers, John. Who knows if some of these guys that are battling injuries, who knows how long they're going to be? Who knows if they're going to linger? And if a guy is sidelined, then all of a sudden we get closer and closer to the regular season and the Giants are in need of a swing tackle or somebody else. If you go out there and you impress in the games, maybe you give them a reason to throw you in on the 53 or perhaps retain you on the practice squad. Uh, Nick Gates is somebody who we've talked about multiple times in this program. Pat Shermer has spoken in press conferences very highly of him. So that is certainly an intriguing player to watch tonight. Malcolm Bunch, you brought up, John, he was with the team last year, so it's somewhat of a familiar face. I'm sure they want to see how far he's come along. And Paul Adams on practice yesterday, or the day before, excuse me, as all these games and practices tend to mesh together, they threw him out a little bit at left tackle. So yeah. I mm-hmm. would think he would be one of the first guys up if we don't see Wheeler and Mahalik tonight. One more receiver, by the way, TJ Jones, is kind of a young veteran that they brought in too. We'll probably yep. see a lot of him over the course of the game. Otherwise, offensively, I think we'll see a lot of C.J. Conrad at tight end. Uh, you know, Evan Ingram is someone they've been using some load management with the practice, so I wonder how much he'll play tonight. So I think you'll see a lot of C.J. Conrad, another guy who he's trying to beat out Scott Simonson for one of those time, uh, tight end spots. And then, of course, you have um, Garrett Dickerson, too, somebody that's been here uh, for a year or so, more of a receiving tight end. So those guys will have a chance to battle for that third or maybe even fourth tight end position on the final 53. Well, the tight end position is, once again, a numbers game, like it is always every single year. Do you keep three? Do you keep four? How does the fullback factor into this? But you figure Evan Engram and Red Ellison are as safe as possible compared to the rest of the tight end. So does Scott Simonson, his his veteran presence, his familiarity with Pat Shermer, does that help his cause in returning? Or, to your point, does C.J. Conrad make a push? 
Pat Shermer said at his press conference earlier this week, Conrad is a great blocker. And, and that's rare, John, for a coach to come out and say a young guy appeals to him more right now as a blocker than necessarily a guy that goes out, runs routes, and catches passes. So, you know, when a coach is... And he doesn't necessarily have to go out of his way to say that at a press conference. I know he was asked about Conrad, but you know you could just say, hey, young guy coming along, we'll wait and see. He made it known we like what we've seen out of him from a blocking standpoint. So I think that bodes very well for Conrad. Now it's a matter of can he go out there, run crisp routes, make some catches and plays to show that he's truly a complimentary tight end from both fronts. Then on defense, Lance, I think it's – I'm not going to say it's more about the starters, but you are going to see a lot of Dexter Lawrence, I bet. You're going to see a lot of the young defensive backs – especially the cornerbacks, if those guys fight for roster spots. You're probably not going to see Grant Haley, who's also been in the yellow non-contact jersey in practice. He's been dealing with a shoulder injury. So on defense, I think you'll see more of your full-time players just because a lot of these young guys are going to have to play, and they're going to have to play early. Well, we talked about it right off the top. We said this is a young roster across the board. Well, defense, I think, is the strong selling point from that front, John. And I'm with you. I'm really excited to see a lot of guys on defense, probably more so than offense. Not that I don't think there's jobs to be won on offense, as we discussed. But, I mean, outside of Janoris Jenkins, you got a lot of unproven commodities here at cornerback. So let's see guys line up against another guy. Let's see them go mano a mano, one-on-one. And let's see who's going to win some of those battles. I I think also you have some injuries Across the board at corner, you mentioned Grant Haley, so that may bring about some opportunities for, I mean, even some of these guys way on the depth chart, on the backside, you know, players that we don't necessarily bring up on this program. Ronald Ronald Zamort. Zamort. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, in fairness, he's been tested in practice, John, as you and I have watched. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've gone after him sometimes in the end zone. He's been a player that, you know, I think has shown that he could hustle. Let's see now what he could do. Henry Tolliver, another guy. Another name, uh, Sean Chandler at the safety position, who Mm -hmm. I know was on the 53 last year, but... It's funny how when you add youth and you add new names, John, all of a sudden players that flashed last year get thrown on the back well, burner, right? Yeah, I mean, Lance, remember this too. I mean, there's been a lot of injuries at corner. You know, you've had DeAndre Bagers had to take reps with the threes just because it's a numbers game. So yeah. Antonio Hamilton's been in and out. Haley's been in and out. Henry Tolliver is back now, but he missed the first week or so of practice. Sin Beal is probably not going to play in the game. He's still dealing with that groin hamstring thing he's had for the last week or so. So these Corey Ballantyne is probably going to play a lot of minutes in this game, just and as he an should. example. Well, because remember, he missed some practice time given yeah. the unfortunate tragedy that he was involved in. So I think that bodes very well for him. Plus, we expect to see maybe Corey Ballantyne on special teams, John, in yeah. the return game. So, you know, that's something else to watch from Julian Love, I think they're going to move him around. That's another player. And Antonio Hamilton, who you brought up, by the way, Antonio Hamilton flashed last year because of his special teams play. Yep. But now he's got an opportunity to perhaps play even more corner. So that's something to monitor moving forward, not just in practice, but as well as the games. All right, folks, 201-939-4513. We have some open lines if you want to get in, talk some Giants football as they take on the New York Jets in preseason game number one. We'll talk about some of the other things we're going to watch tonight over the course of the program, but let's lead off the show with Rick down in Tampa. Rick, what's up? All right, I lead off. I'm, uh, that's a, a thrill to be part of this first game of the preseason. But you know what? I'm excited. I'm sure you guys are pumped as well. Absolutely. For a lot of, for a lot of reasons. You know, and I, I call you guys a lot, and I enjoy your show. And, and I, I, I'm really looking forward to this game for on a, uh, several fronts like you were just talking about. We have a young team. We have a, uh, we have a lot of players that, are, that, that need to try to make the team as well. And I think right off the bat, what you were saying regarding, first of all, wide receivers, because of this, well, Golden Tate should be gone for the first four games. Shepard's hurt. We need to see who's going to take, take the role, of, the very important role of wide receiver on uh, the Giants this year. And um, I really think that watching this tonight and all the preseason games, I really I don't want to put the, uh, as much uh, – uh, onus on the the great miracle catches and all that i want a guy who's going to make the everyday catch and that's what i want to, to make the steady catch and if somebody drops an easy ball i'm telling you right now i, I don't want to be hard on it but that's i would almost right there i'd, I'd take him out 
as simple as that. So I want to see that in the wide receivers because and our our return game. What was who was his what was his name who got hurt? Uh, that was our return guy last year, Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Corey. And uh, I know what a shame that he got hurt. I mean, we t- I talked about him on the show about I was expecting you were expecting a lot from him this year. Now he's hurt. So uh, question though, I do want to ask is who's going to be that guy because he was very good on our return, and I think that's something we're going to be able to see as well regarding defense. Well, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Real quick, I just want to comment on these two things because we will forget what you said if you go all the way to the end. So, okay, real fast. Um, In terms of kick return stuff, Cody Latimer will be back there. Um, They haven't really used Jabril Peppers in that role, but I think he can do it. TJ Jones and Corey Ballantyne are um, two other guys that I think could get in the mix. And just just in terms of your drops point, if, if you talk to Pat Shermer, there are a few things on this planet that annoys Pat Shermer more than drops. He oh, hates good. drops. So trust me, here you and him yeah. are on the same wavelength with that. Right. Darius Slayton, right, by the way, Rick, is another guy to watch out for when healthy on special teams in terms of the return yeah. game. Good point. That's a big part of the game. And he actually, Corey, was doing well last year on that, and it's a shame that he's not there. Now, regarding the defense, the, the young guys, I'd like to see a pass rush, all those good things it's going to be. Uh, you did – mention and real quick the regarding the offensive line did i miss something who's hurt on our offensive line is that just not our starters that you're not talking about it's the backups that are hurt right yeah yeah, yeah there, there are three backup tackles that are hurt chad wheeler brian mahalik who are your second okay. team tackles and georgia safa who was your seventh round pick so there are three offensive tackles that are down Okay, because I follow the Giants all the time down here in Florida, and I, with whether it's Twitter or the Giants.com app that I'm on right now, I'm having a hard time following up on who's hurt and stuff. I mean, because I don't see anything on Twitter. Bleacher Report doesn't give me a lot every day. What's the best place to check for that? Because I, I, that's so important with the Giants over the years is these guys getting hurt in, in practice and everything. Yeah. And I haven't seen much on that other than the big injury like Shepard or something, I, I want to find that. So where's a good, if you could just point to what's the best where to check that. Yeah, Rick, there, uh, there, there, well. really, there really isn't one place to go. Oh. We only get that injury information even in-house, by the way, and we, we, we get it just like everyone else does when Pat Shermer's asked about it at his press conferences. So if he's oh, not okay. asked about a specific right. player, that's why you're not seeing it. And not to sound like a jerk, but there just weren't that many people all that concerned with Henry Tolliver's leg injury okay. for the first that's week fine. of camp. You know well, what I mean? I, I think, Rick, you, you, you also have to understand, to right. Rick, it, it's also, Rick, it's also important to note that you know the preseason is not like the regular season where the league mandates injury reports Correct. and right. giving out information like that. I'm not saying that it's okay. loosey-goosey in the preseason, but there's really no restrictions on teams in terms of when they have to report information and so forth. Right. Yeah, you know what? I yeah, think that's well, fair. I think it is loosey-goosey. If you want to use yeah. that term. I think it's a loosey-goosey. Okay, we'll go with that then. That's fine. Yeah. Fancy Lancy. Well, it's more so also during the uh, practice, uh, the Monday through Friday practices, um, uh, that as well. But you know what? It's uh, looking forward to it. I didn't mention anything about the quarterbacks because you know what? That means nothing as much right now, but I'm going to be watching him, you know, throw the ball. We'll see. And uh, I'm excited for what Eli could do this year. So I look forward to calling you guys in uh, throughout the, the season. And let's let's have it. We couldn't ask for a better first game, Jets-Giants. So, uh, let's see what what happens and hope and pray that no one gets really hurt. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. You know, it's funny. I, I sat here, Lance, before we started, and I debated in my head whether or not the first thing I was going to bring up to you was Daniel Jones or if I was going to lay low on it because I didn't want it to turn into an all-Daniel Jones show, which which can happen. I understand. It's a very important thing. I don't want to downplay it. If you read the Cover 3 article that I tweeted out earlier and Lance did as well, that, that was the first thing that I wrote about in Cover 3. So, guys, it's important. I mean, is it? If Daniel Jones plays poorly in this game, does it mean anything in long-term for his future? No. If he plays really well, does it mean anything long-term for his future? No. A one-off preseason game doesn't matter. However, it's still exciting. You're seeing your sixth overall pick on the field for the first time, and there are times when early success does portend really good things. You know, very rarely do rookie quarterbacks come out, look great, and then regress. Now, you will see quarterbacks start poorly and then improve, but if you see Jones come out and in his first preseason action look really comfortable and look like an NFL quarterback right away, that's a darn good sign. Now, is it dispositive that something else is going to happen down the road? Of course not, but look, I'm excited to see it. I've been watching this kid in practice. I watched a full season of him at Duke over the course of the spring getting ready for the draft and reviewing his tape after they took the kid. 
Uh, I'm excited to see what he does in an NFL game. I'm not going to lie. I'm pumped. I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, so am I. I don't know necessarily if I would have huge takeaways over one performance. Not no, that you were saying not. that you were. I'm just talking about, you know, maybe looking at it from a bigger perspective. Wait, 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 you're telling me there might be an overreaction on a back page well, of a newspaper tomorrow based on how 100%. he plays? I actually, the, the reason why. <laughs> I don't believe that, Lance. <laughs> I know. I'm going Given on the on state of the one. media today, I can't believe they would overplay one performance. Yeah, why would they? I mean, you're going to tell me that the uh, battle of the backup left tackle job is, is not spicy enough? To and uh, by the way, headline? I should point out, that is not a shot at the writers, because the writers are going to write their stories. It, look, there's no, people aren't getting excited about Yankees-Orioles in, in August. If, tomorrow, the back page will be Giants-Jets. Oh. It's just a matter of what it's going to say. Correct. Depending on, of course, how the game develops and, right. and what plays out there. But... The point is... Yeah, I interrupted. I'm sorry. I've seen games... No, no worries. I've seen games where quarterbacks have played a good preseason game, and then it hasn't transferred to much of anything. 100%. So that's why I think everybody should temper their expectations, temper their takeaways, essentially. A case in point, Davis Webb, if you remember, he went up against the Detroit Lions. Not last year. I think it was two preseasons ago, John, his rookie year. And I thought Davis Webb had a good series or two in that Detroit game. That was on the road. That was and, the second preseason right? game he played. It was the first game. preseason game he played, and he was a disaster. Correct. Area. So it was right. the second preseason game. Correct. All right. So it was a nice bounce-back mm-hmm. opportunity, right? He looked comfortable. He drove down the field. I believe he finished with a touchdown. Okay. Fine. Positive. Whatever. And then, you know, you move beyond that, and— he wound up, you know, ultimately not making the roster. And there were a lot of other factors involved. It wasn't just one preseason game. I'm not saying Daniel Jones is all of a sudden concerned about his roster spot. The bottom line is treat it as if it's one game. Be anxious. Be excited. You want to see encouraging signs. I get it. But it's not the end-all, be-all. And these four preseason games, by the way, is not Daniel Jones' Super Bowl, okay? Daniel Jones, when he gets into regular season games, you know, then we could start talking about high expectations and so forth. This is for him to get comfortable, John, against another defense that he's completely unfamiliar with. The timing should be on point, and obviously the execution of the offense. I mean, that to me is the key components that you want to see him be able to go out and do tonight. Jeff in Rhode Island, he's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, Jeff? Hey, guys. How you doing today? Great, Jeff. What's up? Good. Anxious for the game tonight. I know everybody uh, will be wanting to watch the quarterback, but uh, my focus is going to be on the defense and particularly, uh, you know, if they can apply any kind of pressure to the opposing quarterback. Yes, Jeff, I I agree. I think that's important to see if their pass rushers can win one-on-one, but I will promise you, promise you, that the Giants' defense is going to be very vanilla because the last thing you want to do is show a team like the Jets. And by the way, it's going to be the same in Week 2 when the Giants play another team they're facing in the regular season, the Chicago Bears. They're not going to show those teams anything. So it's going to be really, really vanilla. So I wouldn't be so much concerned with the results as I will be how maybe individual players perform in their matchups, if you know where I'm coming from. Oh, I I understand exactly. I uh... It's you know pretty much what I was thinking as well, because I, I always like to see uh, watch the uh, the kids that were drafted and you know see what they're looking like out there and how they're moving around you know and so on and so forth. Um, my bold prediction, my bold prediction would be that someday perhaps our friend from Maine will have something more than dubious suggestions and solutions for the problems that the New York Giants may be experiencing at any given time. Well, I, I like that bold prediction. That may have been the best one given out on this program thus far. Dubious? I think so. Suggestions? I agree. Not to pick on anybody. But, no, uh, no, pick, pick on them. Pick all you want. Pick Jeff. on them. Pick, pick, pick. Get it. Keep picking. <laughs> no, no. Keep picking until you get down no, to the bone, I, the very I, bare bone. <laughs> I can't be killing a, a fellow Giants fan, but when somebody calls up and says, uh, you know, it's them and the Browns in the Super Bowl and going to have 50 sacks, uh, I'm not getting it. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Well, Have nice. a good day, fellas. You, you got too, it, buddy. Dubious suggestions and solutions to problems. It's a polite way to put to it, problems. Actually, by the way. I thought it was put very, very well. Yeah. Dubious suggestions and solutions to those problems. Jeff laid out a very elongated euphemism for Charlie in Portland, Maine. Because I don't know if I could go that deep in terms of spinning it in a way where maybe you're not necessarily taking too deep of a zinger. The word dubious is a nice one. I like that one. Yes, absolutely. On a more serious note, because there's no point of wasting as much time we do on Charlie, 
considering he's probably going to call anyway. So uh, let's yeah, not you know his ringing. waste our time here in the early portion of the program. When Jeff brought up, you know, wanting to see the pass rush, and I thought, you know, your response was on point in terms of you want to see if guys could win some individual battles, but team production, James Betcher's not going to be very aggressive, let's face it. And, and here's another thing, and this is not being a Debbie Downer again. This is perspective. Adewale Ajomo, okay? I, I'm going to rehash, and I'm going to reminisce wow, on this program. name from the okay? past, man. Adewale Ajomo. And for you Giants fans who may not recognize the name, most of you, I'm sure, go look at what he did during the preseason. So what was that, 2015 or 16? I don't remember the year. It may have been even slightly earlier, Let me look perhaps. Back. And Ojomo made the roster, by the way, okay? And every single week, why isn't Ojomo active? Why are we not seeing Ojomo's productivity? And a lot of it had to do with his work ethic and practice and not earning his way onto the 46 that are active. But Ojomo had an outstanding preseason. 2012. Yeah, even earlier. But that's a guy... Right? Wow. Had a really good preseason. That's a long time. I will man. throw out another guy. And this is the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Well, two, and you know what? I, actually, he made the roster in 2012, and then 2013 is when he had his big summer. So 2013. Okay, 13. Sorry about that. But we're still removed. Six seasons ago, man. Whew. We're not talking about a player that was around the corner. Another guy who was a late addition to the roster, performed very well, and then ultimately did not make the roster, was Israel Adonage, who I thought did enough to maybe take Kerry Wynn's spot, and then Kerry Wynn ultimately got that final roster spot. So the reason I'm throwing that out there is to say what a guy does in a preseason game, even if he flashes, is far from locking up a roster spot or is far from perhaps saying he makes the roster and then that impact translates over to the regular season. 201-939-4513, back to the phones. What up, Chris in Buffalo? Hey, how's it going, uh, Lance and John? Um, Lance, I was listening to you and Jeff yesterday, and I know you guys just talked about this, but Charlie, what tackles are out there right now? What are you looking at? You see that the Bengals, the Bengals just signed Bobby, best tackle in the league, turnstile heart, to a huge contract for the same exact reason. There's nobody out there. They either have underdeveloped college players that need a lot of time to catch up or you have players that are so old and shot that putting them out there would be basically the same as giving them cardiac arrest. You can't you can't do it. There's nobody out there right now. It's slim pickings. I mean, I mean hey, that's Chris, why when injuries happen, you're in a very tough predicament. Offensive linemen might be the biggest position of scarcity, specifically offensive tackle in the whole league right now. There just aren't a lot of guys out there. Yeah, that's pretty – I mean, I just hearing Charlie yesterday going off about that. I just had to call it. The only other thing I wanted to put out there real quick, and I'll let you guys go. Um, I know Sam Beal is injured, uh, and I know Corey Ballantyne's been getting some good snaps. And he's yeah. been looking good. Do you think Corey Ballantyne has kind of surpassed Beal? I know Beal has been playing, but would you – if Beal comes back from his injury, do you think Ballantyne is now higher on the echelon than uh, – Beal would be? It's a good no, question. I'll take it off the air. Bye. What do you think, Lance? Appreciate the phone call, Chris. Well, right now, I think Ballantyne is building up confidence amongst the coaching staff. And, I mean, if we had a meaningful game to discuss this weekend, yeah, I think Ballantyne probably has jumped ahead of Sam Beal because of the time that Beal has missed. I think Ballantyne, to me, and, and I'm not putting words in Pat Shermer's mouth, John, but Ballantyne is right now the equivalent of how Shermer looked at Darius Slayton in the spring and how he made the jump from rookie minicamp, if you recall, John, and then said he's probably the most improved player. Ballantyne is the most improved player right now based on the production he's putting out in practice. So, you know, that's not hype. That's actually eye test. So based on that, I would say I'd probably pencil him in slightly ahead of Sam Beal if this was an actual meaningful game. Here's how I'll state it. When Beal gets back... I still believe Corey Ballantyne will be taking snaps with the twos in practice. I don't think he'll be relegated back to the third team. Now, might he be taking snaps with the twos with Sam Beal instead of Antonio Hamilton? Maybe. Would I be shocked if Sam Beal is with the threes the first time he's back off the hamstring? No, that wouldn't surprise me either. But given how Ballantyne's played, I'd be shocked if they would... And again, it depends how he plays in this game. If he's a disaster in this game, then maybe we have a different conversation. Well, we're only basing it off of practice right now at this point. That's all you could do. If he plays well in the game and Beal gets back, 
and Ballantyne shows starting to show that he belongs in, in a game situation, I do not see him getting demoted back to the third team. I don't see it. Yeah, I'm with you. And that's more of a reason why that's a position, if you were to ask me what to watch for, one-on-one battles, look at the corners. And I'm talking about everybody. Look at what they do against unfamiliar wide receivers. Let's see who hangs with the opposition. Let's see who goes up and makes a play, maybe an opportunistic play. That's what I'm looking for because I think that's going to then determine what the depth chart is moving into next week's practice and then following it into the Chicago Bears game. Nick is all way out in Colorado. He joins us next. Hey, Nick. Hi, how you doing, guys? Well, great, Nick. What's up? Uh, I'm going to talk Daniel Jones for a second, if you don't mind. Yeah, go right ahead, man. So I've been watching, you know, since he got drafted at Duke, and I was just thinking that, you know, I'm finally starting. I wasn't happy when they drafted him. But now, since I've seen him in training camp and practice and stuff, I'm finally starting to, like, become Daniel Jones' team. I'm just not sure how he's going to match up against some of the offenses that he's going to be defenses that he's going to be faced against. Well, Nick, year. well, Nick, I'll say this. I'm happy that you've turned around, but, and I wrote this in, in the, in my cover three article on giants.com too. Once we get to a game here, no one is going to care one iota where he was drafted, what pick the giants used on him, how he's played in practice. All eventually that's going to matter is how he does in games. Now, yeah. How he does in the first preseason game, as Lance said before, not a big deal. It's not necessarily going to be a, a telling factor in the type of player he's going to be. But all this stuff is great, and I'm glad you're more optimistic. And by the way, Pat Shermer has said this a million times, too, to the fact where he, I sense a little frustration from him that he keeps getting these questions about Jones because his first answer is always, well, let's see him do it in a game. Let's see him do it in a game. Right. And I think that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Well, uh, thank you guys so much. You got yeah, it. Thank you, Nick. Thank Appreciate you, you calling call. in. And look, Giant fans that, and, and there's still a group of you out there because I see your tweets. I might not respond to them, but I see them that are just assuming Daniel Jones is going to be trash because of what these media scouts said before the draft. People are assuming this, okay? And that's silly. It's also silly to say this guy's our future franchise quarterback, and I have no doubt about it over some practice videos that our buddy Matt Cohen put up on the Giants' Twitter account. (laughs) Both things are equally, maybe not equally silly, because at least you're seeing the videos and you're not just going by what somebody else told you. But bottom line, folks, is that we're going to see. We're going to see. And I would like, I would like, and I know this is never going to happen, it would be a great world, Lance, if everyone could go in with a blank slate and an open mind with no preconceived bias or no biases or notions into that first Daniel Jones chance and, you know, really let what he does instruct what you think of him. I think we all know that's not going to happen, but that's really where we should be at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why the whole purpose of this conversation is to keep expectations in check and not overreact over one game, one series, and so forth. But I understand when a player is picked that high, and I know this was you know, opposite of your point, and I agree with you. Once the regular season comes and there's opportunities out there or seasons ahead, you know, nobody remembers Tom Brady being a sixth-round pick. The bottom line is Tom Brady has built his own reputation, what he's done on the NFL level. And Daniel Jones is going to have to do the same thing because once you get into the league beyond the season, that rookie resume doesn't mean much of anything. What you did as a senior in college, a junior in college, doesn't mean anything. So, you know, for the critics, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, he's going to have to show it. But also, for the people that are critics, I think you have to understand that he's not going to be able to quiet you if he does go against what you're thinking in one game, in one night. You're going to have to wait and see under those circumstances. And the problem with today's society is patience is not something that most people subscribe to. So that's what's working against Daniel Jones, John. I mean, that's the truth. The instantaneous gratification, the call for that, he can't control that. And I don't care how this preseason plays out. I'm still going to shy away from making any judgments until we actually get to a meaningful regular season game or the shoulder is placed in a position where he now has to take on the offense. He has to guide the offense in a meaningful game or whatever it may be. Until he's put in that position, there's only so much he can take away. 100%. And and the point I was kind of making in terms of where he was picked was if he turns out to be really good, no one's going to go back and say, well, the Giants should have got him at 17. 
that that that's not going to be no, the argument. Say they made the right decision. I mean, you remember? I mean, you were. I think you were hosting shows in college at this point. I graduated. I think you were still around. Where people would call up to to, to your college calling show and be like, the Giants gave up too much for Eli Manning. Of course, yeah. You know, they could have drafted Sean Merriman and Nick Cady and all these guys and Philip Rivers and all this stuff and people were complaining about it. Once Eli won the Super Bowls, nobody gave a damn anymore. It was all right, great, good job, awesome trade, guys, terrific. Well, and not to get off position. And by the way, also, Eli stunk his first year in the pros. He turned out pretty good. Of course. Well, that's more of a reason why even after Daniel Jones ultimately plays his first few regular season games, we may still not know where his ceiling Mm -hmm. is. But I'll give you even a more recent example, John, and this is not the quarterback position. What was the reaction when the Dallas Cowboys gave up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper at the trade deadline? I know that a lot of the reaction was, what are they thinking? I didn't like the movie either. Cooper is not somebody that has shown he can consistently deliver. And then you look at what Cooper did in the second half of the season, and I would think right now you understand maybe where they were coming from. Now, granted, he still needs to produce, and we'll see whether or not the Cowboys give him a new contract. I get it. There's still time to tell. But once again... The initial reaction does not have to be synonymous with the reaction after we see some substance. I'm a little disappointed within you. I thought you were going to go to your favorite quarterback. My favorite quarterback? I don't know. I got a lot of favorites. Alex Smith. Okay. In terms of... I mean, he was... He, he, people thought he was a bust. They did. For years. No, that's a good one. And then he got to the Chiefs. He's winning 10 games every yeah. year. Well, but see, my counter to anybody who says he's a bust is, well, then look at the environment around Alex Smith. But that's my point. Yeah. Where, you know, and it takes a quarterback a while. He had different coordinators. That slowed down his progression and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, eventually when he got a good team around, all of a sudden he looked like a pretty good player. So, anyway. 201-939-4513. Scott in New Mexico is up next. Hey, Scott. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Doing great, Scott. Scott. Uh, question. I don't put a lot of stock in preseason games. I always think that players actually get their kudos in uh, training camp. But I'm intrigued uh, about the Daniel Jones scenario tonight. And for this reason, I'm just uh, – this conditions tonight probably won't be ideal because you'll be missing personnel and he won't have uh, you know a limited amount of time with the tackles etc that might play Fair. do you glean more information about a quarterback especially somebody like a daniel jones if conditions are not ideal in other words they're adverse and if he performs well does that give you actually more information about the quarterback because he didn't have his starting receivers, because it's sort of a built-in excuse, oh, he didn't have this or he didn't have that. But if he performs well in adverse conditions, doesn't that give the coaches a lot more uh, information about how he's going to perform when everything is not ideal? I was just curious what your opinion was on that. It's a good question, Scott. I think it really is. And I think you kind of hit it on the head with the way you asked your question. If he plays well despite things around him being poor, then, yeah, I think that is a really good sign, and you learn a lot about the kid. But the problem, though, is that if he plays poorly and everything's around him is a mess, I don't think it's fair to bury him. You know what I mean? So right. I would like to – I think before you worry about whether or not he can succeed under adverse conditions, can we see if he can succeed under good conditions first? Yeah. You, know, okay. you, know, you know what I mean? I, 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 if this was happening in preseason game number four – after I saw him play well under great conditions in the first couple, then yeah, I'd probably be on board with what you're saying. But I, I, I'd like to give the kid a shot with a good offensive line and some talented players around him before I see him trying to scramble with a bunch of guys around him that have no idea what they're doing. Which, by the way, I don't think is going to be the case tonight. My right. guess is that they'll figure out a way to get him in there with at least some of the starters so they'll get a good feel of you know, maybe give him some protection. We know Greg Williams will blitz even though it's the preseason. You don't want guys breathing down his neck. You want to give the starters a chance to protect him a little bit. So I do think you'll get to see him under pretty decent conditions tonight, even if even since we're not going to see a guy like Sterling Shepard. Yeah, they're not okay. going to throw him to the wolves, Scott. I, I think they're going to want him to play with some of those ideal conditions to see what he can do. And then, obviously, the backups will come in little by little. But I don't think Pat Trimmer has any plans to put Daniel Jones behind, you know, fourth and fifth string players that are fringe, even practice squad guys. I just don't see how that's a wise game plan for him as well as the coaching staff. Which, by the way, once you get past your first two offensive tackles at this point, 
you're looking at guys. Well, to a certain degree. You are looking at the offensive tackles as, as third-teamers. No, and, and that's fair, but I guess I'm looking at it also as a guy like Malcolm Bunch, for example. If they put him out of tackle, they've already seen him last season. Yet it's fair. not as if they're throwing him out there with a guy they just pulled in off the street. Even though technically Malcolm Bunch did recently join the team, there's at least some familiarity there. I, I guess that's where I'm going as opposed to he does they, let's provide, just throw out the land of the unknown. He does provide good veteran depth. Well, right. I don't know if necessarily I go so far to give him a veteran title, but yes, he does <laughs> perhaps provide depth. The, the other thing, in all seriousness, as uh, Schmoke wants to continue to uh, throw some jokes at I just entertained It's by a comedy it's hour okay. 101. <laughs> And it did go over my head. I knew where he was going, I, I know, but I'm going to change the subject, well, I Scott. Pretty, I was but, pretty obvious about yeah, it. Well, absolutely, yes. Getting back to your point, <laughs> and, and once again, there is a distinct difference between even preseason football and college football, what you did, Scott. But remember, Daniel Jones, the majority of his collegiate career has been with adverse conditions. That's a really good point, Let's too. face it, Scott. Good point. So is right. this really anything new, I guess what I'm saying? If they throw him out there a little with some backups— Considering what he went through at Duke and considering the wide receiving core, I really don't think it's anything new. Hey, offensive line Jones. too. I mean, dude, I'm ser- in, in, in all seriousness, when Duke plays Clemson, which happened when he was a it junior did, yeah, there, it was reality for him. You're basically playing with players that maybe are backups on Clemson, maybe they're third teamers on Clemson going against Clemson starters. Now, Daniel Jones would never say that. I mean, people realize that. There wasn't one player drafted out of Duke while Daniel Jones was there. Well, that's not a lot. one. I mean, I, I can go back and count the number of guys can't drafted out of Clemson the last three years. It's probably close to twenty, if not more. So yeah, I think Lance. I didn't even think about it that way. You made a great point. Oh, thank you. He, he's. I know it's rare. He's he's used to playing. <laughs> I don't even know why I said thank you. But under anyway, these conditions. Yeah. Uh, one question also I have tonight: If C.J. Conrad really shines. Uh, does that is that the death knell for Scott Simonson, or do you think because they have Rhett Ellison, they have Evan Ingram? I was just curious what your opinion would be uh, on. I don't know where the depth chart is on those two guys, but in regards to how they perform, uh, would C.J. Conrad be the replacement, or would they? Is there a possibility they would keep both? Thank you, Scott. Appreciate the call. I think there's a chance Thanks they again. keep. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for calling in. Good, excellent points today. Um, I think there's a chance they keep four. We got to see, like Lance said earlier in the show, what they do with the fullback and if that impacts it at all. But I think there's a scenario where Simons and then Conrad could both be on the team in theory. Absolutely. Yeah, I could easily see them keeping four tight ends. And I think it also depends on the versatility they see out of that group. Because remember, Red Ellison, we've talked about this in the past, John. You could te- technically put him in at fullback if you needed to. If they wanted to throw him in there, you can move him around. He's got that ability that skill set so that may be more of a reason why they would want to keep four tight ends if they feel that they're going to put one or two of these tight ends in different positions or play Ingram out wide and toy with him in that regard then maybe you want a truer tight end to have to put him in the game simultaneously so four I do not think is a stretch at all when it comes to the tight end position 201-939-4513 I I thought Scott was going the line oh okay I there forgot that we had to say goodbye to him, but then I did, and so I moved on. Anyway. I'm glad that we're putting two and two together. Final caller of the show. It's been a long two days, Lance. Mike yes. in Florida will wrap us up today, and then I'll take a couple of tweets before we say goodbye. What's up, Mike? Hey, guys. How you doing? We're great. You're on, Mike. Just a couple of quick points. Um, I'm really excited tonight about watching the, the young DBs. I think that's where my, my eyes are going to be. I uh, just want to see where we're at with those guys. Um, really, uh, Corey Ballantyne, uh, looking forward to watching him play. Um, one thing, is this Janoris Jenkins' last uh, year on his contract? No, he is, no. One, he is one more left after this season. But remember, uh, it's a situation. Remember, it's a situation though. Wealth of information for these young guys. Yeah, he is. Remember, it's a situation though where there's not a ton of guaranteed money left on that contract, Mike. So if the Giants wanted to not bring him back next year, it could be right. a decision they decide to make. But he is under contract for one more year. All right, great. And the other point, um, we were talking about. You guys were talking about wide receivers before, and the three you were naming: Cody Latimer, um, Russell Shepard, and and Pollard. Fowler, uh, yeah. Fowler, yeah. But what did I say? Fowler. I thought you said Fowler. Pollard. Yeah, yeah Fowler. Fowler. Benny Fowler. Oh, okay. Um, those are three key teams also. So um, I think it's going to be real hard for the, for the Reggie Whites and the, um, the, um, the other guys to, to kind of, you know, 
get in there. Maybe for the first four games, because Tate's going to be gone. Um, maybe, uh, hopefully not. But uh, I, those guys are, are, are core special teams guys, and I, I, I you know, I, I give them the advantage there. Well, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's a really fair point, Mike, and, and maybe it's something that John and I didn't emphasize off the top when we were talking about wide receivers, but another reason, you're right, why Latimer, Shepard, and Fowler have an advantage over some of those unproven guys is, yeah, it's not just because they can be reliable to fill in and also produce. It's because, you're right, they play special teams. Now, Latimer did that during the majority of his tenure in Denver. If you look at his offensive snaps, they were limited. Now, Fowler to a certain degree, and Russell Shepard has been a key core special teamer no matter what team he's been on. So, yeah, Alex Wesley... And some of these other younger guys are going to have to prove not only can they go out there, run routes, catch passes, but also, you're right, that they can go out and cover or maybe be key contributors to the return game. I think that's a very valid point. Yeah, and let, just one quick point. Um, that Russell Shepard mic'd up the other, the other day. That that boy is funny. He he, uh, he's he funny just carries guy. that practice. He's hysterical to have around. I think he's, his his energy is is terrific for uh, for the for that team. Appreciate the call, my friend. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for waiting. Right, take care. You got and, it. And Shepard really is one of the vocal leaders, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Well, and that's one of the reasons why Dave Gettleman wanted to bring him in. Remember, Gettleman knows him from the Carolina days. So, I mean, he understands you bring in a guy like that. It's a good locker room presence, a high energy guy who's going to keep things loose. It's time for tweets. Let's Giants chat. We got some good ones coming in here. Clayton Harding at Clayton Harding 14. I think Conrad's already on the 53, but I'm really hoping we cut or trade Ellison, not Simonson. We need the cap space, at least for injury purposes. Ellison's savings are much greater than Simonson's. Clayton, there's no chance that's happening. They really value what Red Ellison brings as a football player. In your 12 personnel, he can catch. He's one of the better blocking tight ends in the league. He will help your running game. I've, he's not the first person that's mentioned, you know, want to move on from Red Ellison. Why do they need the cap space exactly? I would rather renegotiate someone else's deal that is a long-term deal. Since they have so much space last year, you can push, you know, kick the, kick the can down the road a little bit. I don't want to let go of one of my better football players in Red Ellison. No thank you. Pass. Well, the reason why they need the cap space is because there's a number of unsigned tackles right now that they should eventually, in the coming days, go out and sign. Now, he points out that it'll be in case there's an injury during the season, you bring somebody in, and I, I, I get that. And you need money for that. But yeah. I, I think you're just opening a hole if you let go of Ellison. I mean, you're going to trust C.J. Conrad to step in and be a starter in year one as an undrafted free agent out of a small school? Well, I, I, know, I know Kentucky's not a small school, but it's a smaller football school. Well, he's an unproven player, though. I think that's the best way to label him, John. Red Ellison has been out there. He's done that. So I, I think they value that. Also, as I brought up earlier, when Scott, the earlier caller, was talking about four tight ends, I said, Red can be moved around. And remember, one of the things Pat Shermer has said, if we're going to have a tight end slash fullback on the roster, he better be a reliable receiver. Because if we're going to put him on the field, we want to make sure that the defense has to recognize he could run a route, he could go out into the flat, and he could become a threat. If they know Red Ellison's out there, he can't catch if his life depended on it, then you don't become as an unpredictable offense as you should be. A.J. Marshall, Paul Perkins hasn't played in two years. Can't wait to see what he does out there tonight. My prediction is he's going to lead the team in rushing yards. This is a big preseason for Paul Perkins. He's been here for two years, missed last year with that torn pec. And he's going to get a lot of opportunities to carry the football. You know, maybe he can challenge for the number two running back spot even with Wayne Gallman. But uh, worst comes to worst, he's battling for that, you know, third and final running back spot with Rod Smith, uh, John Hilleman, the undrafted rookie free agent. And he'll have the opportunity to do it, Lance. He's got to show he can catch it, like you just said. And he also has to play special teams, something we haven't seen a lot out of Paul Perkins. Can he be a factor in special teams coverage units the way a guy like Rod Smith is, who's a much more versatile player. And by the way, Rod Smith also played fullback early in his career, John. Mm -hmm. So as we try to unravel all of these competitions, you know, those things can sometimes help solidify a roster spot. But I'm in agreement. Uh, Paul Perkins, this is a huge preseason for him. It's a huge camp, whatever you want to label it. But I will say this, and I've brought this up on the program before. The fact that he remained a part of the team and they brought him back then when they did not have to, I think says a lot about what the coaching staff views him and the fact that when healthy, what he can contribute. So you can't dismiss that. You can't overlook that. But Perkins, his coming out party, I always bring this up, John, against the Cleveland Browns in 2016 and Jamie Collins, 
who has gone back and forth with the Patriots and the Browns, the linebacker for Cleveland at the time. He blitzes up the middle. Paul Perkins steps right in and protects Eli Manning. And that was his moment where they said, well, you know what? We could put Perkins in there on a third down situation. We can trust him. Mm -hmm. He's got to also prove that he can continue to do that, pick up the blitz, and to your point, contribute on special teams. Final tweet of the show before we say goodbye, and we promo what's coming up later on today with the Giants and Jets. Anthony underscore Rivardo. I'm super excited to watch Daniel Jones play tonight, but I think I'm just as excited to see Alonzo Russell play alongside of him. He's had a real strong camp. I think many fans are sleeping on him. Hopefully he proves that tonight. Well, he's different. He's 6'4". He's almost 220. He's a bigger guy. He's not a burner. But he's been a lot more consistent in camp this year in terms of catching the football, running routes, things of that nature. And he's probably been Daniel Jones' favorite wide receiver with that second group. Once, you know, all the injuries kind of pushed a lot of the traditional backups into that first first unit. So, yeah, I think Alonzo Russell's got a shot here. He's a, has a unique body type that nobody else on the roster has. And... This is a big preseason for him if he can figure out a way, uh, along with those other young guys you mentioned, to, to earn their way into a back-end roster spot. Yeah, that's what Russell's advantage is compared to the rest of the group. It's his size. Because if the Giants, as a coaching staff, if they're looking across the roster, a wide receiver, John, and they say, you know, can we use somebody who brings something a little bit different to the table, a red zone threat, a big-bodied wide receiver who could go up and catch those 50-50 balls? He can offer that. The the other guys we named cannot offer that. Even some of the veterans can't necessarily offer that. So if he shows consistency, that to me, if you were to ask me right now to assess of the young guys who can push for maybe that sixth spot, I would probably lean towards Alonzo Russell. Also, yeah. He's also been around longer in the league, too. Th- that's another reason. And then the, the other factor being that if Golden Tate's suspension is upheld, remember, he doesn't count against the 53-man roster, so you can keep an extra wide receiver as a result, and that's where maybe the opportunity arises for somebody no, like him. I believe the way that rule works, though, Tate has to be on the initial 53, and then you add afterwards, correct? That is correct. Yes, that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. But I guess the Giants could also look at it if they feel as if that guy's not going to be claimed, they could always cut him and bring them back under right. those circumstances if they want them or to. Or you could keep the sixth wide receiver right away and cut somebody else in a different True. position yeah, and add someone else somewhere else afterwards. However you want to handle it is fine. All right, guys, a lot of stuff coming up tonight. Make sure you stay tuned to Giants.com for all the preview and coverage of Giants and Jets. First and foremost, all the Giants social media platforms as well. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, we're there. Check it out. Uh, the radio broadcast tonight it is starting on WFAN and then around 624 or 25 or so, uh, for the first time ever, WFAN is splitting their signal. The Giants game can be found on traditional Sports Radio 66, 660 AM. The Yankee game will be on WFAN FM 101.9. So if you want to tune into the Giants, you've got to go to the AM dial. Our pregame show begins at 6.05. Lance, myself, and Jeff Fields will be with you. And then we'll have the postgame show after. And... Listen in to the game on the radio tonight if you can. You'll get to hear Paul Dottino call the game, and when I tell you he's excited, it would be the understatement of the century. I might murder him before the game begins. He's so (laughs) irritating to me. But he's excited. Make sure you check it out. And if you want to watch the game on TV, you can find it on WNBC Channel 4. Coverage starting at 7. Kickoff will be at around 7.05. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for being with us on Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com. We'll see you tonight, everybody. Enjoy the game. Have a good one. Adios.